Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we're going to call our shots on the future of some of the stars in the CFF landscape. Before the season even starts, we're going to guess whether or not those with another year of eligibility after 2023 will do one of three options. So either to stay, declare for the draft, or transfer to somewhere else. And to help us call our shots, we have DFS guru and host of the Burning the Red Shirt podcast, Chris K. on to make sure our predictions and takes are hot enough to cause some problems on purpose. All this and more coming right after this. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Jason Natty Podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. We are the College Fantasy po- Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on your podcast feed and on YouTube every Monday morning at 7 a.m. If you want to support the great work that we are doing over here, head on over to campusofcanton.com and subscribe there with one of our three awesome tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, and C2C leagues, including rankings, articles, tools, and so much more than even that. You can also support us by going over to our YouTube channel and subscribing and interacting with us over there or by leaving those five-star reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared. You can find the show at Chasing the Natty. We got a couple other awesome things coming y'all's way. First of all, Home Field. We, um, we at Campus to Canton are partnered with them with an awesome promo code discount. Just type in Campus to Canton over there and you can get 15% off your vintage college fan gear. They got a ton of great stuff over there. So go and check to see if they have your team in stock. And then in addition to that, we got the CFF guide coming out to you all on July 1st. If you're listening to this on Monday, this Saturday, we will be releasing that guide for you guys. Uh, Team profiles on all 133 teams. We got profiles for... I believe 48 quarterbacks, 60 running backs, 72 wide receivers, and 36 tight ends, and then rankings that go even deeper than that, and a lot of other great stuff involved in there. Awesome. Got all of that out of the way. K, Mr. Chris K, how are you doing today, sir? You've been waiting patiently over there to speak. Yeah, this is usually where I, this the skip portion of the pod when I typically listen, but uh, I'm good. I got the auto draft set for our. Uh... Nate best ball dynasty startup that we're in and I'm I'm on deck and I think I'm excited about who's available there's two guys there one of them and you know just that's typical spirit of myself will cause problems with one of the uh campus to Canton guys if I can get him but we'll see he's second on my queue so maybe the next time around I'll cause problems but I'm good how are you how is uh how are you feeling with the draft I okay so this so first of all I'm doing great just as a person but then in terms of this draft I am normally, like in redraft, I love the middle. I love sitting in the middle. I hate waiting super long to get my next pick and everything. 
because I'm usually pretty good about playing the ADP game. I'm usually pretty good about being able to get that extra round of value out of a player. Typically in Dynasty, we don't have ADP. We don't have any kind of knowledge about where players are going off. And so I can't play that nearly as much. So what I would rather do is have something close to the turn so I can double tap certain rooms and stuff like that. I can't do that because I'm at the 17th pick out of 24 in this draft. So no matter what, I have to wait a super long time either way before it comes back to me. So if I pick one person out of a room and I want to get the other, more than likely, some this is a smart group of people, more than likely somebody else is going to snatch up the other guy. It's driving me absolutely nuts because it's completely different than what I'm used to doing in strategy. I love getting like to- a bunch of ro- like I love getting everybody in a room. And currently that is just borderline impossible with how big this draft is and where mm-hmm. I am in the draft. Yeah, I will say too what's tricky with this is uh it's people that we've drafted with in best ball so we kind of know who they like just generally speaking, but then there's people that are knowledgeable but just we have never drafted with or yeah. if we have it's very few. So it's like I don't I don't know who these guys are. I don't know if this guy's a Georgia fan or a South Carolina fan or a Michigan like you know. So you, you kind of it you just you're almost to the point we're almost to the point right now where it's I call it like your personal rankings list mm-hmm. where it's just like guys that you care about. You could draft somebody in the twelfth round and you probably could have got them in the twentieth round because like people's lists are I think at, are so different at this mm-hmm. stage in the game. But it's a fun experiment um these are always fun to look back on in like 10 years too and think like what the hell were we thinking with some of these guys speaking of you getting your guy you just picked up colston loveland good job there man nice yeah i was hoping it would last he would last yeah so now now i'm on deck so i'll have this kind of open up here see if i can make a pick at some point um i i'm letting you know right now because you just picked and everything i'm probably gonna go quarterback with this next pick because that's the one position like you you were saying like oh it's personal preference at this point i'm still kind of feeling the squeeze at quarterback in terms of like i don't really like who I have in the room right now because all I have is Shavon Cordero and Bert Emanuel, uh, which tells you what my quarterback situation is looking like right now. So there's a guy who I'm going to hope I can get here. Um, but anyway, that y'all don't want to listen to us about our leagues and everything like that. But regardless, this is a pretty fun draft we're in right now. Uh, we got an awesome show for you guys. We got um, We're going to be talking about a bunch of players who have another year of eligibility after this year. And yeah, it's probably a little early to kind of be talking about this, but you know, it's the off season. Why not just kind of take our shots and everything, kind of start thinking about the future. Like Chris and I said, we're in dynasty leagues right now. A lot of you are kind of testing out dynasty leagues. Maybe you got a supplemental draft coming up. You're preparing for, so you got to think about a year ahead in the future with some of these guys. So well, we got about, I think we got 12 guys we're going to touch on here today. So that should be a ton of fun. And then the other part of this is that our friend Chris Connolly on Twitter just kind of out of nowhere asked us to discuss the possibility of an all nerd conference in college football and what that would look like. And then I kind of added on to it. I'm like, what would that mean for CFF? Like, what would that look like for CFF? Would it be a good thing? Would it be a bad thing? I have no idea. But you know what, Kay? I already got the spiel out of the way, so let's go ahead and get right to it. Let's go talk about this nerd conference here that I have put together here. It is a conference of 10 teams. There were some pretty obvious guys to put in here, like, you know, Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Georgia Tech, uh, Rice, Berkeley, Stanford. Like, those guys all felt pretty obvious. And then we had to kind of get creative to kind of fill in the holes there. So I literally just went on Google and typed in nerd college 
and see what popped up. And surprisingly, schools like um, Duke, I, I guess I shouldn't be super surprised that Duke's out there, but like Duke popped up, Washington popped up. I was kind of surprised by that. And then uh, San Diego State apparently is considered a nerd college. And then you told me that uh, Virginia is a nerd college. Is that just something for, like you went to Virginia Tech, right? So like, is that yeah, just something so from your time there? Virginia is like the preppy, uh, like super smart school. Whereas like Virginia Tech's the, I think the stereotype would be like, backwoods virginia camo wearing type you know so it's a little bit more it's a good school virginia tech's still yeah. a good school but it's just not to the level of uva so that and it's not even a diss i mean it's a good thing to be a great school academically of course yeah um, i know so there's nothing wrong with it but yeah they definitely fit the mold i found it interesting uh i guess two things when i look at this is it didn't froton he froton's from san diego or lives in san diego Yes. Did he go to San Diego State? Because that might just wipe away the fact that it is a nerd school. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, I, I can't remember. No, no he went to UMass, right? I like think he's, he's from U- the Northeast. So I, yeah, he so went I to UMass. San Diego State's fine to be here still. Uh, a lot of ACC schools. Yeah. Three ACC schools are here. So, yeah, I was surprised by Washington as well. But uh, it's a pretty fun list. This is pretty interesting. The Knack. The the oh yeah the nerd alliance conference the the knack I love it naction going on over here but how much naction would we really get out of this conference K because like it's fun to think about this just from a CFB level and I know a lot of people are like oh get all these terrible nerd teams out of the power five out of the G five and just have them go have their own conference so we don't have to have them as cupcakes in the conferences but how would they fare against each other here K like in terms of like offenses and defenses here. Like, who would you think would stand out? Like, obviously, I think Washington would be unstoppable probably year one. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how much they could keep that up with Penix, Odunze, McMillan, and all those guys probably leaving after this year. And shoot, Kalen DeBoer probably leaves after this year, if I'm being honest, as well. So, like, who do you think would be, like, the powerhouse in this conference? I think Washington, obviously. I think Duke would be up there. And then I think San Diego State would be up there. They would, they they would be like the uninteresting but very solid good team because they've always uh, been successful in the Mountain West. Um, but Mountain West has had some pretty good teams in them consistently. So I think San Diego State would run this. At least the East side, they would just tear through. Yeah. Oh, by the way, for those of you who aren't watching on YouTube, again, I, I did divide this up into two divisions. One is the West side that has Washington, Stanford, Cal, Rice, and San Diego State. And then the east side has uh, Northwestern, Vandy, Georgia Tech, Duke, and Virginia. Geographically correct, because of course the Nerd Conference would have that right. Um, I honestly think that if Virginia made the right hire, aka not Tony Elliott, I feel like they would actually fare pretty well here. And then I think that, again, this is going to sound super crazy, but I think if Vanderbilt, given like the standard that they have had to raise themselves to even be remotely competitive in the SEC... I think that they might have themselves set up to have one of the better programs, at least in this conference, which again, sounds nuts. But again, this is what happens when you put all of these terrible teams into one conference. So, okay. On a CFF perspective here, if this actually happened, would there be anybody, any players that you would actually be more interested in compared to where they are now? Well, we talked about it yesterday on Twitter. I think Vanderbilt, like you kind of mentioned, would be more appealing 
because the conference shift is completely like a complete 180. Um, Stanford probably benefits with a new system, but they're probably they would probably need a year before they would get rolling. Um, I'm just trying to think like I am a big proponent of like if you're going to be successful offensively, just generally speaking, you have a quarterback and this is a pretty weak quarterback group. I would think, again, Duke is going to be, I mean, Riley Leonard, imagine if he, I mean, ACC has some pretty weak defenses already, but like imagine if he was going up against, you know, the Georgia Techs, the Stanfords, the Rices of the world for eight, nine games a season. I mean, Riley Leonard would go crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Cam Porter would be one who would be get a benefit here. Because again, Northwestern, the big thing we have with them is like, oh, they're in the Big Ten. They're not going to score very much. The games are too slow paced. They're not a very good offense. But again, throw them in this conference. I could see them probably getting an extra touchdown per game, and that would benefit Cam Porter a lot. Keep and it, like the game script wouldn't go away from him as quickly. Anybody else that kind of sticks out to me here? Um, Rice with JT Daniels and then Luke McCaffrey and um Bradley Rosner might have been interesting in this kind of conference, but yeah, I mean, those are some underrated guys. I don't yeah. think Daniels is anything impressive, but like considering the schedule that they would likely have uh, with the, the two receivers, that feels like that could work for a year for sure. Alrighty. That's a t- uh, fun little topic right there. Again, it, it is the off season. I enjoy little, com- like little questions like that. And I thought it was a fun enough one that we could just spend like five minutes on it here. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's show here. Chris, we are going to talk about players and kind of predicting a year ahead of time here, what we think is going to happen to them after this year. We're mostly talking about guys that have two to three years of eligibility left and mostly uh, two years of eligibility left, including this year, and then one guy with three years of eligibility, which we'll get to at the very end because Kay basically begged me to let him stay on the show. Um, but um, we got about, let's see, four quarterbacks here, I think five running backs, two wide receivers, and then a tight end we will get through here. We're going to basically plant our foot down here before the start of the season and kind of give you guys our predictions of what happens to them after this year? So a lot of guys you're probably holding on to your dynasty or keeper rosters, and you're trying to figure out like, oh God, there's so many different ways they could go after this year. We're going to tell you what our predictions are. And we'll start here at the quarterback position with a guy that we really were just talking about. And that is Riley Leonard, quarterback out of Duke. He was our QB nine overall last season. Dude was consistent as hell last season among the top 12 QBs. He was second in terms of fantasy points efficiency, basically, like he, what, there wasn't like a huge range to where he finished every week. He was, um, he was very consistent week in and week out. Currently being drafted as a QB eleven this season, but man, he's got another year of eligibility after this year, and I think there's a lot of different ways you could take where he could go. So, Kay, your thoughts on what could happen to him? So this is a tough one. Um, I, I think people give him a lot of like NFL potential which i personally don't see it but uh you know if daniel jones from duke can be drafted high i I could see it with leonard i'm gonna go with stay because he doesn't seem like the type to leave he maybe fits the mold of like grayson mccall or drake may where it's like they could have gone to a different situation that's probably better for nil or maybe just more uh, prominent uh field to play against and play with um 
So I would say stay because I just don't think declare wise. I mean, you got any of these quarterbacks you have to compare to the top dogs of Drake May yeah. and Caleb Williams. And and then there's a bunch of other quarterbacks in this class. And how would he fare against them? So I don't think he would fare pretty well comparatively to those other quarterbacks. So I'm going to say I'm going to go with stay. I think he could be a super sneaky guy to stay for sure for a, t- a second year. Yeah, I'm kind of with you for the most part in the fact that like I don't think that he is somebody that I, I think right now the people that are kind of touting him as a future NFL quarterback aren't really looking at what he did and are more along or doing more along the lines of like, oh, I want to try to get on a guy before anybody else did. So I, I'm, I'm with you in our Debbie team definitely is not on board with him either. Again, our Debbie guy this year, they had him as a tier five quarterback. So clearly they're not expecting him to be a guy that goes early in next year's draft or anything like that. In fact, I think I might have a quote here from that guy. Yeah, this uh, comes from Colin Decker, one of our members over there, um, or one of the founders of C2C and everything. And he basically said that um, Riley struggles with consistency, feeling the rush and moving through his progressions. And then you combine that with his average arm strength, and that'll probably keep him from being drafted any earlier than day three. So our, our Debbie team is really not on board with him whatsoever for the most part. I will disagree with you, though. I think the more fun opportunity here is for him to transfer and a lot of and he is from Alabama. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, if Alabama doesn't have their situation figured out at a quarterback and Leonard shows another year of consistent quarterback play over there at Duke, maybe he's a guy that they can go after." I don't think Bama is the team that goes after him. I think you could see Riley Leonard join Hugh Freeze at Auburn and that would be an absolute miracle for CFF purposes. What do you think, Kay? You're you're an Auburn guy. I love so that. I, I, I was the like, reason why I'm smirking is because I thought in, in my head I'm like, oh, he's gonna say Alabama. But I think since you brought it up, the state of Alabama, it makes a lot of sense with Auburn. Um it's a little less crowded of a QB room and Thorne and Ashford to me are just like so far from being what Freeze needs that it wouldn't be unimaginable at all for him to go there yeah i was i I think he i think he could transfer to auburn i think that would be an absolute blast for anybody in cff and if you if you're holding on to him in cff like you as you see him enter the portal and you're like oh god he could end up in such a worse situation if he went to auburn with hugh freeze that would just be if you went to auburn with hugh freeze okay and it was like next year's draft obviously we don't know who comes back and who doesn't everything but like that feels like a guy you would take early on in drafts, right? Like, even though, like, you try to take, like, known quantities early on in drafts, like, the upside there would be just too much to ignore, right? Yeah, I mean, if he has another good season, obviously, he, like, initial thought to me is, like, top six quarterback without knowing, obviously, who comes back and who leaves and stuff like that. But, like, it'd be hard-pressed. All the all the studs are old, right? Williams and Bo Nix, Frank Harris, Drake yep. May. These are all guys that won't be back. So for sure, they won't be back. So I think top six feels pretty safe. I mean, especially if you were to go to Hugh Freeze. I I almost if I was a Leonard owner, I would hope that he just stays because he could make the stupid decision. Like, yeah, the Hugh Freeze puts them in another stratosphere, but like if he stays at Duke, he's still going to be an awesome CFF asset. That's true, but where, would, where if, would you put him? Where would I put him? I again, I, I definitely try to go for like known quantities at quarterback, 
So like I probably would probably have him in the back half of my top 10 and hope that it's just a year where quarterbacks kind of fall into that kind of fourth, fifth round range rather than like a bunch of them being taken in the first round like we see this year. So, but at the same time, like I wouldn't blame anybody who would take him in like the second round just on pure projection alone. So, alrighty, let's move on to our next quarterback here. Uh, going from a guy who has dual threat ability to a guy with almost no dual threat ability, but has a pretty awesome arm and passing ability here. Let's go talk about Will Rogers. Uh, Kay, are you still on Will Rogers for this year? I know you were kind of you're kind of tired at the beginning of the season. Have you kind of cooled off on that a bit? Yeah, I'm definitely cooled off. I think he's like a decent quarterback, just generally speaking. But um, with everything that's changed with the passing of Leach and the new offense, like. The QB class is just so deep. The the 2023 group of CFF QBs is so deep that like the mm-hmm. more I thought about it, yeah, you know, I think originally I was thinking in the 20s, but the more the more you look at how deep the class is, it's like, I mean, he's probably in the 40s at best, right? I mean, for I me, that's like that Cameron high. Ward, yeah, Cameron Ward and Tanner Mordecai, and I think those guys have more upside than Will Rogers. So I'm unfortunately cooled on him. I think. He'd be a fun guy to see be successful, but I just not seeing it from a CFF standpoint. Yeah, I think this could go. He could go definitely several, one of several ways for this year. Uh, yeah, and like I think it's possible for him to have like a Chase Bryce kind of season again. We would definitely have to see him use his legs a little bit more than we have in the past for that to happen. But Chase Bryce was like what QB like forty something last year, I think, like that, like. He, he, uh, yeah, I just saw his name. Yeah, uh, QB 37. So, like, you know, putting him right there in that QB 40 range, I don't entirely blame you for it. And again, I do think Rodgers is a good college quarterback. Now, again, our Devi team and myself as well, like, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback for the future or anything. Like, at best, he's a guy that could be a decent backup in the NFL. But I think there's a couple ways this could go. If he's successful in a traditional offense, with like Kevin Barbe and everything like that, I do think there's a decent chance we see him declare after this year. Now, if he were to fail in this new offense, maybe it, it it's just not his style. He does he realizes like no, nah, I just work well in air raid systems. He could transfer, and there's a lot of really fun places that he could end up next year because there's tons of air raid systems that are going to need a quarterback next year. Washington State. Western Kentucky, Georgia Southern, all of those guys have pretty much one or two years of eligibility left. And I think Ward probably has his sights set on the NFL next year. So I think he can end up at any one of those three places and that would be absolutely incredible for us. But I am going to put my little token here. I forgot to use our tokens last time. I'm going to put it in stay because everything about Will Rogers based on his recruiting history and everything has just said Regardless of who's at Mississippi State, I want to be at Mississippi State. He is just a dude that grew up loving this school. And regardless of who is there, he's going to want to perform to for them. So I think that if Rodgers doesn't declare next year, he is definitely going to stay more likely than anything else. Okay, your thoughts on Rodgers and what could happen to him next year? Yeah, it's going to be a super boring response, but I, I'm going to go stay as well. Um, he's been loyal to them the whole time. Yep. I, I can't imagine them. They can't push out Will Rogers, right? Like, no. it's not like they're going to be like, well, we need to move you. You got to get out of here. You're not going to see that happen. 
Um, but you raise a good point. Like if he doesn't play well, does he say, screw it? I need to go back to a system. I'm like more similarly aligned with in my career. Cause like there's two trains of thought, right? Like, uh, does he need to prove himself in a like a more traditional offense to go to the NFL? Or I would say he, so. I would say so. I would agree as well, right? So I, I think if he, I think he's going to be just average and thus will stay another year. Um, because I again, I don't see him being like a top six or eight quarterback in this class. I think it would be dumb for him to move to a another air raid type system. But I, you made a good point. I never even thought about it like that. That. It could happen, but I, I would lean stay for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely saying stay, but like if he transfers, I think the reason why he would transfer would be I need to just go back to what I'm comfortable with. I'm not going to make it to the NFL, so maybe I can go somewhere that can I fit really well in and maybe they'll give me some pretty decent NIL deal. Because if he goes to a place like Western Kentucky and everything or like Georgia Southern or even Washington State, like he is a name that can bring in some money, I would say. It would generate some excitement or whatever school that he lands at. And he could probably make a decent buck with NIL. So I think that could be the way that he goes with it. But I'm glad that we are in agreement. Let's move on to our third quarterback here. We're going to move over into the Pac-12 and talk about Mr. Jaden Delora, quarterback out of Arizona. I'm going to keep this pretty short. He's already transferred once. I don't think he is set to graduate. So I would say that transfer is pretty much off the table here because I don't think he wants to sit another year. He has the starting job of Arizona pretty much locked up right now. I don't think Noah Fafita or any of the other guys are really pushing that much from behind him. He performed pretty well. I haven't heard a lick of NFL talk with him whatsoever like I even tried to look up Jaden Delora NFL draft and everything and there just really wasn't that much out there our Devi team has him as a tier seven and Mike Valerie who wrote his profile in there and I'm paraphrasing here but he said basically this guy might make a practice squad in the NFL like there like he is exactly where he needs to be to provide any kind of fantasy production whatsoever so I am emphatically in the stay column here so yeah, this will be. Do you, do you have promise, any? Yeah, I was gonna say I promise we'll get more. This will get more exciting because we're gonna uh, align again. I, again, stay. He's. I can't. I think you can immediately rule out NFL. He's yeah. small. He's turnover prone. Um, exactly. He again doesn't compare to those other guys by any means. He doesn't do anything spectacular for a six foot quarterback. Um. So he needs more seasoning for sure. And I, you know, I think he'll probably graduate. I mean, he's, this will be his fourth year, so it's conceivable that he could graduate, but he's a West coast guy, right? Like, yeah. isn't he from Hawaii? Like where else would he go? Uh, it's not like there's a guy coming up. I believe that I think makes more sense to go back home. And mm-hmm. that's why uh, there's a transfer thought in my head, but he seems like the the best fit for Arizona. The only other thought would be, does he think that he has no true NFL potential. So does he try to find the money, right? Does he try to sit? I don't know Arizona's NIL situation. I can't imagine it's insane, but maybe he goes somewhere that will pay him because he realizes that he's not going to make a ton of money if much at all in the NFL. So that would be the only reason why I would think he would transfer if he does, uh, if he is able to after the year. I just don't see that really happening. Cause like you said, he's turnover prone. He's really like, 
just objectively, he's not a good quarterback, but like he is what kind of Arizona needs right now. It's definitely their best option right now. I don't think the NIL is going to keep him at Arizona because it definitely didn't keep Dorian Singer there. But then again, they were going up against USC, so that's always going to be hard for you to fight the NIL money on that. But yeah, no, I'm emphatically in the stay column here. If you have Jaden Delora, I would anticipate him sticking around for two years. And hopefully that offense just, just continues to be awesome like it has been the last two years because they are basically, like, again, Delora's value does not come from any inherent talent that he has. It is mostly because Arizona's defense is awful and he's actually decently okay at throwing the ball. So therefore he is going to score a lot of touchdowns. So and he, and he does a decent job of, of using his legs. He's yeah. not like a, he's not a zero, right? Like he's not a Kyle McCord or a CJ Stroud where like you have to really get high passing volume or just super efficient numbers. So like the turnover stuff's cool with us. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, like a pick six is actually not bad sometimes. So uh cuz you you get behind in the game and then you you get to push it more, but he's not a non-zero as a runner, which is nice. Yeah. And he ran 74 times compared to 45 at Washington State. Like do we see maybe an increase again? You know, maybe there's some upside there that for CFF standpoint that we could find as well. We will definitely see. But as of now, we can, again, we definitely both agree that he'll be sticking around for another year after this year. Let's go talk about a Mac guy. Let's go talk about Daquan Finn. This is a dude that like, okay, like I know you've been high on him. I'm getting more and more high on him as well. Cause I think I, I have a pretty high ownership of him and a lot of the best balls I've been doing. Cause people don't think people realize that when he played full games last year, he averaged 29.2 fantasy points per game. Like he was just having an absolutely insane year. It's just that he got hurt, which really, really sucks. So the question remains like, what's he going to do after this year? Cause he is like, is he like the ultimate dynasty ad? Cause I know, Kay, you were thinking about adding him in like our first, the first round of the dynasty league that we were looking at over here. Where did he end up going? It was pretty early yeah he went in the second round uh the two nine in a dynasty pick because i think a lot of people including myself think he's gonna stay around in college as long as he can there's no nfl future here for daquan finn really there's not typically a lot of nfl future for most guys in the mac maybe outside of wide receiver so i basically assume all mac players are lifers for the most part but here's where even though I'm saying all that, I think he transfers after this year because of one major thing. And that is Jason Candle was already kind of being looked at by a couple of schools as a potential ad as offensive coordinator. If Jason Candle leaves Toledo and they don't really have anything put in place to kind of keep what they have going, well, going, I don't think Finn's going to want to stick around for that. I think he kind of goes the Marquez Cooper um yeah the mark oh my god brain fart marcus cooper yeah marcus cooper the ball yeah. state yeah yes mm-hmm. i think he goes yes i think he goes that route i don't for some reason in my head i was thinking like cooper's not his last name no it 100 is um he goes to marquez cooper route he's going to transfer out and he's going to look at wherever jason candle lands if jason if where jason candle landed there's not really a bunch of competition for him because he's a pretty good sized quarterback he's, he's over six foot 210 pounds like he's a pretty it's not like he's Marquez Cooper where he's like small and like he would get absolutely destroyed at a power five level. So if he looks there and says like, okay, if there is 
like room for me to be there, maybe get the starting role. I can see him transferring to wherever Jason Candle goes. Or if he looks at it and says like, oh no, they clearly have their starter, he just transfers somewhere else in the MAC and just kind of goes off from there, like maybe Bowling Green or something like that. That's 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 kind of my thought process on this. I think he's going to transfer after this year one way or another because Jason Candle will not be at Toledo after this year. So so a little disclaimer: we I literally said to Jared here are eight guys I think would be interesting to talk about, and I literally t- said nothing about what I thought would happen with them. So I say that because I agree transfer, <laughs> but for different reasons. Uh, I actually am, I think I'm higher on Finn than. You are obviously. I don't think he's like a complete zero chance to do anything in the NFL. Like he has a little bit of size. He's super mobile. He is electric. Uh, he probably needs to be a little bit more refined. But I think from a skill set standpoint, like there's a there's a there's a world where he could be in the NFL. You never know. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's like an automatic no. But with that being said, I think he transfers because I could see a world where. Uh, Toledo screws around and plays Tucker Gleason a decent bit. Gleason really was pretty good when he filled in. Like, I think he had a couple of 300 yard games, a couple of three TV, uh, passing TD games. He had a 100 yard rushing game. I could see a world where Toledo screws around, uses him just enough to piss off Finn. And then Finn says, I'm going to go get some money. I mean, he looked good against Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, had a pretty decent to, to good uh, fantasy point game in that one. I could see him 100% going to uh, to another, you know, like a power five school that, you know, needs a quarterback. Um, I don't know where that would be. He's from Michigan. I can't imagine. I mean, like, would Michigan State take Daquan Finn? Like, in a heartbeat, right? Yeah, I just I'd don't probably say they, so. I don't know if they'd want to go old at quarterback considering their, their roster probably needs a little bit more help than just one guy, but... I think he finds the money a little bit. He, I think there's two things for him. He, he tries to get some money, and he also um, wants to uh, play against better competition to help kind of catapult himself maybe onto draft boards. So different reasons, but we both agree that transfer is a really strong likelihood here. So if those are the reasons, Kay, may I ask, why do you think he didn't transfer this year then? It's a really good question. Um Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he tried to like back channel test waters, you know, see if people were talking about him, had any interest in him, right? Like, there are definitely back channels of conversations, of course. But that would be a good counterpoint to that idea because I, I think there's a little bit of level of like Gleason has to play a little bit for him to kind of get pushed into that route. But who knows? I mean, I would love if I was a lot of different Power Five schools, I would love Finn as my quarterback. I'm a, I'm a very pro Finn guy, though. Yeah, I, I I question whenever I see somebody from the MAC trying to translate up to the Power Five, especially like that. So like, I'm a little hesitant on that idea. But you know, like, I, I it's not impossible at all. Um, I will say, while you're talking about Gleason there and everything, I have started in best balls for those of you who are listening. Uh, when I do draft Daquan Finn, I have actually started in like the last round of all those drafts, just drafting Gleason at the very end as well, because Finn has insane upside, but so does Gleason whenever he plays. And so if you just want to lock down that Toledo offense for pretty much the entire year, I think that's a fine little handcuff right there. You, you seem a little hey, I mean, hesitant there, Kay. No, no, no. I was, I mean, I'm not a huge handcuff type of guy. I can see the appeal to it. And I mean, he's literally free. 
Like, I don't know if yeah. he's been, I don't think I've seen him be drafted. So I don't hate the idea. Um, if you're, as long as you're doing it in like the last round. Yeah. No, it, second, it, last, second to last round. If you're with Jared, pretty, I would say pretty much the only reason why, like I was, I was like looking at him is because the, the draft I was in, they did a really good job. There wasn't really much value falling towards the end of the draft. So I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't love anybody here. Let me just lock up one of these like quarterback rooms here just to kind of give me a little bit of extra, a little bit of extra bonus there. And I felt pretty good about it. So I figured I would share that with you guys. Let's stop talking about quarterbacks here though. Let's go talk about some running backs here. And we'll start with Will Shipley running back out of Clemson. This is somebody who gets talked about a lot in the Debbie spaces. Cause he's a pretty, I would say, um, I don't want to say controversial, but there's a lot of split opinions on like how Will Shipley is going to translate to the NFL. There's a lot of people who are kind of all in on him. There's people who are completely out on him. How does that impact him here, though, for us at the CFF level? I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know. I think he declares after this year for just kind of standard reasons for running backs. Running backs currently are being heavily, heavily pushed by scouts by people who are kind of advising these guys to get your three years in at college and whether you're ready or not declare for the nfl because if you can show out at some of the pro days you can show out at the combine and everything like that you're going to get drafted and that's probably the best you're going to do it's better for you to come out a little early in year three and have them draft you on projection than for you to stay for an extra fourth year, get more tread on your tires, and then draft you based on your production, which might end up hurting you actually because of that tread on your tires. So you got Will Shipley here, a former five-star running back in, um, according to 247 here. Um, I know that there's a lot of people out there who don't think he's going to translate, but again, he has that receiving ability, so some NFL team is going to want him on their roster and then he can kind of maybe build himself up from there like he's not a travis etn he's not going to go in the first round i think everybody kind of agrees with that but i could see him being a day two early day three guy here and so i'm i think that just with all that put together i think he's going to declare after the season unless something just absolutely catastrophic happens like he gets injured or he performs so well that phil moffa takes over and he's like the two or three running back for clemson then he might transfer and try again somewhere else. But for now, I think I'm just going to go ahead and say he declares after this season. I, I don't really see much reason for him to stick around. What do you think, Kay? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say stay or uh, declare. The problem <sighs> is right. Like there's no choice. There's no location for him to go. That would be better than Clemson. Yeah. In theory. Um, he'd have to perform awful for him to stay or to transfer. And I just don't see that happening. I think like the, I said this on burning the red shirt, maybe like a month ago um, with Mox actually. And I think he just gets a bad rap because like, he's just been around and talked about forever. And he's put up a lot of very good games, but he's not like your 204 touchdown type guy. Like he's just a little bit more. I feel like he's a little bit more well-rounded than he is maybe super dynamic in one way or the other. So he kind of feels boring at this point. So I think that's where he gets some of the hate. But, you know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me for Dabo to pony up some money. You know, you know, Blake Corum came back, but he had that knee injury. I think Corum could have come back 
And I would have, you know, I always thought he was going to come back because of the knee injury impacting it. But I do think that Corum came back in part because of uh, like the, you know, beating Ohio State, but not winning even one playoff game and kind of getting that vengeance and finishing on a high note and also being a part of it. So, I mean, I, I could I could see Shipley potentially do that, but the odds are very, very low. This, I mean, uh, Declare is 100% my option. 5%, it would be 95 and 5%, I think, for him to declare versus stay. Okay, have we, have we agreed on every single one so far? I think so. I'm going to have to just, whatever you do or whatever I, <laughs> I'm just going to, Play some devil's uh, advocate. I disagree, yeah. Um, but in, in terms of some of the other bad rap that Shipley gets and everything, I did actually do a little bit of research because I remember a lot of people talking about him. So I was like, okay, what, what exactly were they saying? I know that Noah Hills, who did the awesome Hero RB show, um, I really wish he would bring that back this year. Maybe it is back and I just can't find it. But he, he dove into a lot of the analytics behind Shipley and basically said that like he was just way less efficient compared to even other guys on the, the team who are just statistically worse as running backs than he is in terms of their talent level and everything like that. So he's really disappointed on that front. And then the other part of it is that I think Austin put it best in his profile on the Devi guy where he basically said that Shipley is like super uber athletic, but he doesn't know how to use that athleticism as a running back. So like you constantly see him see um, make mistakes when he watches film you constantly see him cut where he should have just kept going. Can't really read. Um, can't really read where to go when he's running the ball. So I think that's kind of the rap that he's kind of getting right now. I hope I paraphrase that well enough for our Debbie guys over there. I'm sure I'll hear it in the Slack later on. All right, let's go ahead and move on to another running back here. And let's go talk about Kavorian Barnes, G5 guy here, running back out of UTSA. Kay, I'm going to let you go first because I think I've gone first the last couple of times. Well, I was going to just figure out a way to articulate a, a disagreement. So maybe you'll have to do it. All right. Fine. I, I am going to say, no, 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 I'll go first. Okay, Let's okay. try this one. Let's try it one more time. Um, so this is one that Jared chose. So, and I didn't think too much into it. I, stay. You know, I for me, it's like, you know, he's he's an old, what is he, a second year? He's like a redshirt freshman or actually, this would be his third sophomore. year. So, like, possibility to declare maybe because of what you talked about with Shipley and running backs, just needing to kind of get that NFL clock started. But I mean, it, he has years to play with, right? And UTSA is building some a really good program. He's going to have a big year. Maybe he tries to, to run it back twice. I would I would lean for sure stay. I'm going to go transfer here. Finally, we disagree, Kay. I'm going to go transfer here because I think there's a variety of things that can cause him to leave here. One, there's no way Jeff Taylor... Jeff, oh my goodness, I can't speak today. Jeff Taylor stays at UTSA forever, right? Like They keep hiring away as offensive coordinators, but somebody's going to hire him as, an, as a head coach eventually, unless he just loves UTSA. So I think there's a decent chance that he could leave after the season. Maybe Barnes follows him there. Barnes is another guy that, again, his efficiency is incredible. And I do think that he has the size to move up to the power of five if he wanted to. And there's actually two possible destinations here that I think could be a ton of fun for CFF moving forward. One definitely more fun than the other, I would say. But he's had two offensive coordinators at UTSA the last two years that have both moved on to power five jobs. One of which is Will Stein, who just headed to Oregon. So Barnes at Oregon, I think, could be pretty fun. And then you also have um, Barney, 
who went over to Illinois. So let's take Kavorian Barnes and put him over there at Illinois. I think that could be a ton of fun right there. And again, puts him, puts him on the eyeballs of NFL scouts a little bit more in the P5 there. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to move up to a Power 5 position if after this year he feels the need to. I don't know where he's from. I'm imagining if he went to UTSA, he's probably from like the Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas area. So like an Oklahoma state could be super fun. Like RB ones there have been, have been good for everybody. Um, you know, Oklahoma doesn't make sense. Texas doesn't make sense. No. Does he go, you know, Illinois would be great for CFF, but I just don't know. Is his only connection there? Just the, you said they took one of his coaches. Yeah, the offensive coordinator um, from two years ago is over there. Yeah, I wonder, you know, did he get recruited by him, and is there a tight connection? Because that could make sense. I can look uh, up to see what his uh, head recruiter is to see if you t- or see if two four seven will give me that information. These the thing that I've learned from interacting and kind of seeing UTSA people on Twitter and stuff like that is like it is like a super passionate group that is very passionate about their program and it having success. I mean, I could see players stay there and just the whole time and then go pro just because there is that loyalty to the program. And, you know, Jeff Taylor, you said, well, is he ever going to get hired? I think one, he deserves to be hired. He does. Um, but I, I see a world where UTSA is a, one of the better or best, you know, up there in the echelon of G5 programs uh, in the next like five, 10 years. So maybe Barnes feels the the loyalty to stay. And I mean, if they're going to feed him the rock and he's going to be successful, it's hard to hard to say no to that if they can pony up a little bit of money. That's true. And I guess it just depends on whether he does have NFL aspirations or not. So we can definitely see there. And I did look it up. It was a running backs coach, uh, Julian Griffin, who recruited him and he is still at UTSA. So with all the coaching, coaching, turnover his primary recruiter is still at utsa so if he moves on then i would definitely kind of watch to see where he goes because that has been a constant for barnes since he's gotten there so we can see what goes on there all right let's move our little tokens back here let's go ahead and talk about another running back here let's go back up to the power five let's go talk about a guy that i don't think really a lot of us know what to do with this year because of just how muddy this running back room is and that is Jonathan Brooks, running back out of Texas. Man, this all depends on really how this running back room kind of shakes out here, right? Like, I don't think there's a world where he stays after this year. He's a veteran in the program. If he is the lead running back for Texas this year, and he hits that 1,000-yard mark and everything like that, you would think he's just sitting there like, okay, that's it. Once again, running backs kind of being pushed to the NFL, being like, hey, I got I got a really good season in. The NFL knows my name. I'm going to go try to take my shot here, especially when I got two talented guys behind me in Jadon Blue and CJ Baxter coming in this year. But if he isn't, like say this spring injury here really does kind of knock him down the totem pole a little bit for running backs and everything, and he, he sees talented guys like Jadon Blue and CJ Baxter get there ahead of him. He has to transfer at that point, you would think. There's no way he would try to declare for the NFL as the RB3 on Texas. So I don't really know which way to lean here. I think I think more than likely he is probably not. I, I'm, I'm believing in either Jadon Blue or CJ Baxter to kind of overtake him at some point. 
I just don't really know who or how likely that is. But I think I'm going to go with the most likely option, in my opinion, and that is transfer. And I will acknowledge that pretty much, pretty much it's a it's a toss up between transfer or declare based on what happens in that running back room. But I think he transfers, and I'll be real, I don't have a good landing spot for him because the, he was like Texas loyal the whole time that he was at like being recruited. So I have so, no clue. Okay, your thoughts? I I do not think transfer, but to kind of finish the transfer thought. If he transfers, it very likely means he became second fiddle at best at Texas. Yeah. Probably, maybe just splits carries with Blue or because Keelan Robinson's also there. So, like yeah. maybe there's a mix there behind Baxter. So if he if he transfers, it's with very limited usage and production. Even yes. though like his limited stuff is pretty good. So what about like a like a North Texas? Like a like a G five maybe an AEC program See, that all, could be fun. All indications are that he's like he's good enough to be like a power five back. That's the thing that kind of, like if it was just G five, he has a couple G five offers from teams that were just kind of shooting their shot on him. Again, he was very Texas loyal. The only other P five offer, at least two four seven listed, was Texas Tech, and I don't think he would really want to go to Texas Tech if he's looking for usage. It's hard to go Texas to anybody. I mean, the city of Austin's awesome. The program is, you know, has so many perks to it. And it's such a big program and it's the spotlight. So to go to like a Texas Tech, which is in like the middle of nowhere, right? Like Lubbock, it, that would have to be a culture shock. I, my answer would be declare, right? Okay. Uh, I think he'll, I think he'll play enough, especially with the true freshman Baxter likely being, I think, end of season RB1. But I think there'll be enough usage for him to kind of show his talents. Not a lot. Of, there's still tons of tread on the tire. He hasn't really been used or overused. You know, he's over that 200 number that everybody likes uh, in the C2C community. Um, he's shown the ability to catch passes, I think. You know, so you mix some decent speed with, uh, you know, some young legs and enough production. I think he would be. Wouldn't shock me at all for him to just jump right for a, a sixth or seventh round draft pick type spot. And for what it is worth, our um, our Devi team, at least Mike Valerie, who wrote up his profile for our Devi guide, does actually think that Brooks is in line to at least be a day three pick and probably be a part of a committee in the future for the NFL. That's kind of how he projects him out there. So if that's all Brooks really wants is just to get into the NFL and try to be a piece for an offense. And yeah, very like very likely he could declare, even if he isn't the clear number one guy for Texas this year. I can acknowledge that. Let's go ahead and get another running back here. Now let's go back out West and talk about Mr. Bucky Irving running back out of Oregon. Again, we've talked about on the ranking summits several months ago that I'm not a huge fan of Bucky Irving this year because the way that that staff's been talking about Noah Whittington, but he does have a decision to make after this year. And once again, I'm kind of leaning going back towards him going to declare after the season. I think he probably wanted to declare after last season because he had a really good season with the Ducks, had really good production on, quite frankly, limited amount of carries, which is Always a good thing you want to see. He doesn't really have NFL size, so maybe he wants to fix that up a little bit. But I think he was kind of convinced to come back so that Oregon can make a run for the Pac-12 this year. Kind of the same reason why Bo Nix was coming back as well. I think they, they are 
one of those programs kind of like uh, Michigan this year where they really they, they convinced a lot of people to come back in order to kind of have that one last hurrah. So, but I think if they don't get it done this year, Irving's gone after this year. If he does ha- want to have a future in the NFL, he has to save some of that tread, especially with the smaller size that he has. He could make a pretty decent like change of pace back, catching the ball out of the backfield and everything like that. But again, like I think all signs are kind of pointing for him to declare after the season. So that's where I'm going to go with it. Kay, your thoughts here, man? So I don't. I think he was a true sophomore last year. So no way. So I don't He's know. If, I don't know young. if he. I, it's. It depends on what he did at Minnesota. Uh, I just did a quick look, and it it makes it seem like he was a true freshman at Minnesota. But uh, anyways, I'm going to say stay. I think there are good reasons for him to declare. Right? Like, what else is he going to have to sh- like prove? Bo Nix will be gone. That offense will be different. You know, you see guys on like kind of like the maybe that 50 50 area tend to leave if other studs on the offense leave. Right. Because it's like, well, do I want to have a potential, you know, be a part of a potential bad offense and then I look worse or just we aren't as successful as a team. But I mean, Oregon's a pretty sweet school to play at. They can pay. I think, you know, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, like we all know. So maybe he just eats it up a little bit and, and stays an extra year for the money. So I gotta um, put, hold on. Play I, some big football. And I got to put my hand up here. Cause I got an egg on my face big time here. Um, so yes, he is a true sophomore last year. Um, I, I thought he'd been around much longer than that. I don't know why. It feels like we've talked about him for years. And I, I think it's just because he was... he was pretty relevant as his true freshman year. He wasn't like anything crazy, but he ended up having a pretty decent year. And, you know, he played at Minnesota, which is like always top of mind for running back. So I think that was probably just a case where we talked about, we've seen him play enough and talked also, about him enough where it feels like he's been around forever. He's also bigger than I thought. Again, ESPN has him listed at 5'10", 194. So like, again, obviously you want to hit that 200 pound threshold in order to like be an FL back and everything like that. But that's not too far off. If he puts on some weight, this off season and everything kind of gets remeasured and everything like that. Like, He's really not that far off. Um, again, I, I'm still gonna, I'm still sticking with Declare, because again, like you know, it's his third season. All the more reason for him to get out of there, um, like get out of there as soon as he can and everything like that. If he has to get another good year, two consistent years at Oregon, a big time program and everything, yeah, why not take the shot? Go to go Declare. You said stay, right? I said stay. Yeah. I was I was too busy uh, realizing how wrong I was about this man. <laughs> Alrighty, so yeah, yeah, anything else? Sorry. No, I I think he's a. This is a guy I wouldn't be afraid to target if uh, if I was trying to like push for a championship towards the end of the season because I do think there's a really decent chance he stays. You know, I, I think there's a world where he's there's a really decent reason for him to stay and. Sure, it's possible, but if you're pushing for a championship, you get the production maybe for a month or six weeks, and then you could luck into him coming back, which would be awesome. That would be pretty awesome. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Marquez Cooper, the running back, now at Ball State, formerly at Kensey. I'm going to keep this one relatively short. I mentioned earlier that I think most of the guys in the MAC are MAC lifers. They'll continue playing as long as they can because they don't really have much of a future in the NFL. Again, outside of the wide receivers, they seem to be, do pretty well. 
But Marquez Cooper, especially, again, he is a very, very small guy. Um, let me pull up his measurements here real quick. It is not not pretty if you are a measurements kind of guy. Yes, he is 5'7", 190 pounds. So very, very short running back. There's a reason why he did not move up to the Power 5 level. He pretty much already had his chance if he wanted to. If he wanted to go to the NFL, he had his chance this year to go to a Power 5 system. He could have easily followed Sean Lewis over to Colorado, where really they did not have a lot of great options at running back. But instead, he decided to just stay in the MAC. He decided to say, like, hey, this is my level of competition. I'm going to stay here. I do not think that he will be moving to the NFL at any point in his life. So he's just going to run out of his eligibility, and he's going to stick around at Ball State because he's already transferred once. I don't think he's going to transfer again. So... Yeah, this one's a little bit of a boring one because he is so small. Um, maybe he's maybe I thought of him, and the the thought for me was like, let's put this front and center as a guy that if you are doing some sort of startup, he has some serious potential uh, this year, and he's so small. There's pretty much no reason for him not to just stay. I don't I don't know I don't know what would have to happen for him to go to the NFL. I don't think there. Yeah, I don't think. I, I don't think there is a a path. I don't think we even included it in our in our Devi guide. Yeah. So this is a guy I would certainly consider and target if you're doing a startup. Um, this is a little bit of a softball, but I think worth mentioning because we are doing a startup, and he was one of my uh, one of the guys definitely top of mind early in the draft because of that. Did, did you end up getting him? Um, I did not. No, I went with uh, Squirrel and Damian Martinez. So oh yeah, shoot, he went he went two two. Oh, he went real early. Mm-hmm. All righty. Yeah, that, again, that was, that was kind of a quick one. We'll, con- we'll continue moving it along here. And y'all, I asked, I asked this man, Chris K, to send me a na- like names that we could discuss. And he said, nah, screw that. We're going to discuss an entire wide receiver room here. Because uh, he desperately wants to talk about the USC wide receiver room here. So we got four names that we could really talk about here that are eligible for declaration after this year. You got Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, Mario Williams, and Dorian Singer amongst all of these guys. So I'll go th- quickly kind of through all of them in terms of like what my thought processes are and what happens after this year. Brendan Rice and Dorian Singer, it's like one or the other. Whoever ends up being that top outside option for Whoever ends up being the top outside option for, um, actually, no, Gloria Singer plays in the slot, doesn't he? Yeah, I think Brendan Rice is probably gone after this year. I, I think, think Singer is. I think Singer is outside. I think the uh, Rice and Singer are outside, and then Taj and Mario are in the slot. Is how okay, I gotcha. That's how I perceive their receiver room. So I think your initial thought was correct. Okay, cool. Anyway, um. Regardless, like whoever's that top outside option for Caleb after this year is going to declare. I mean. Brandon Bryce, you know, he's Jerry Rice's kid. There's already some NFL bloodlines there. He's going to have connections. There's, somebody's going to want to take on that bloodline right there, especially if he performs well for USC this year. He's gone after this year if he does well. And then Dorian Singer, if he wants to come back that next year and then be the top outside guy the next year, if Brandon Rice is this year, I think he could come back. And then it could be the opposite. Maybe Brandon Rice stays another year if Dorian Singer pops off this year and Brenton Rice is like, all right, no, I will be the top guy next year. So I think one of those guys will stay. One of those guys will go off to the draft. I doubt both of them go off to the draft. 
Mario Williams, I think, declares apparently there is still some faith among NFL guys for him, even though I pretty much have gone off of him for the most part. I don't think he's ever really been a clear top option for Caleb Williams. Uh, But again, people still like him, so I think he'll probably declare after this year. And then Taj Washington, I think he transfers again, because I think he is at the point where he can be a grad transfer once again. And I think he's kind of, he kind of realizes like, you know, you got Makai Williams, Zachariah Branch, other guys coming in behind him. You know, Lincoln Riley's probably going to pull like two wide receivers out of the portal every single year. I think he would want to just kind of move on, try to be that top dog somewhere else. That's kind of my thought process on all of these guys. So, so you should have seen this coming because uh, the reason why I said all of them was because I have them all doing the same thing, which made it a very easy talking point. I think, they all, all I think they all declare to go pro. Okay. Um, Caleb Williams is gone. Sure. Malachi Nelson will be fun. Uh, will be great. But like they bring in Lemon and they bring in Branch. Branch conceivably we've started that, you know, you guys have really talked about him and I'm, I'm jumping on board. You guys have done a good enough job of explaining how, um, branch could be effective and used in his freshman year. So there's two receivers right there, you know, so I could, and they're going to bring in more in the next class. They could bring in a transfer. I think if there's one guy that's likely to stay it's singer, mm-hmm. uh, but I think rice Washington and Mario are all, all gone for sure. And I would add, like I said, add singer to the group. The thing with Taj is he's super fast. So he doesn't necessarily have to have a huge season. He's been super consistent pretty much for three straight seasons and will get probably the same amount, if not better, this four season. Nah, fair enough. He's so quick and he's so fast. You know, it, it makes up for that little bit of lack of size. And I think teams are starting to not necessarily care as much about like height and weight as much as it feels like they used to. Oh, fair um, point. They're a little bit more towards it. But he does. he definitely will be the one with the least amount of height. You know, like Mario will have hype. Rice will have hype because he's got some size in his name. And then uh, Singer is uh, seems like a really decent prospect as well. So, yeah, in terms of like the, like what our Devi team thinks of all these guys, um, Washington was not even included in our Devi guys. So our, our our Devi team does not think that Washington will be doing anything. That's part of the reason why I think he was kind of more transfer than anything else. But. Rice they have as a tier six, uh, Williams they have as a tier six, and Singer they have as a tier five. So all of these guys they kind of put in that tier of like probably none of them are going to reach that first round capability like Jordan Addison did this year. But in terms of just getting to the NFL, three of these guys are Debbie team absolutely sees making it there. So if all three if all three of those guys Mario. Uh, Dorian and Brendan, all three of them perform well this year. Yeah, I agree with you. All three of them are gone. Washington, I am pretty convinced, is probably going to transfer after this year. Unless he, Lincoln just desperately needs some leadership in that wide receiver room. Let's go with another wide receiver here. This one is... Man, I wanted to be a goose on this one, K. I wanted to channel my inner K here and kind of go with a relative hot take. But when I dove a little bit deeper, it kind of felt obvious that he's going to declare after the season... I wanted to kind of go with the narrative of like, oh, Brian Kelly, he's building something up at LSU. Look at what they did in year one. Um, He convinced Garrett Nussmeyer to stick around and let him build up that program. Malik Neighbors, he was doing so well whenever Garrett Nussmeyer was out there. He'd so much rather 
Um, he'd rather go to the NFL after a season with Nussmeyer than a season with Jaden Daniels. But here's the thing. LSU has a history of wide receivers declaring early. You have, um, honestly, there wasn't like, again, Garrett Nussmeyer, obviously the better passing quarterback out of the two, but as the year kind of finished, Jaden Daniels actually had a pretty decent connection with Malik Neighbors as the season was kind of finishing up there. So I don't think that's going to be as impactful in Neighbors' decision-making as we might have thought it was going to be. Again, my, my initial thought was like, oh yeah, Nussmeier's a better passer. He's going to want to play with Nussmeier. I'm like, but I don't think there's a huge difference, at least for Daniels, or at least for Neighbors moving forward. So I personally think that I'm still just going to... What, what's that old saying where it's like, if it seems obvious, it probably is obvious. I'm probably just going to stick with Declare. Our Devi team's high on Malik Neighbors. I know they have him as a tier two wide receiver in the Devi guide. Uh, Corey P, who wrote up his, um, who wrote up his profile, says that he's probably a top five wide receiver in next year's draft. So if you're a top five wide receiver in next year's draft, a quarterback change from Jaden Daniels to Garrett Nussmeyer and the possibility of winning a national championship. I don't know if that's going to be enough to really get you to come back for one more year, especially if you are getting that first round paycheck possibly. So Kay, your thoughts here, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to agreeing. I think declare makes the most obvious uh, sense here. Big, you know, big hype around him for the draft next year. He had that huge bowl game. He's going to have a nice year this year. Obviously there is the appeal, like you said, right. Of Nussmeier, because I mean, with Nussmeyer, he's gonna have he would have huge numbers. Like I think we all agree, at least in the CFF group at, at C to C, that if Nussmeyer was the quarterback, neighbors would shoot up our personal rankings. Yes, you know, from I think I have him around like fifteen or eighteen. I would put him at like 10, 11. He'd be uh, a top ten wide receiver for me. Yeah, maybe even top ten. Um, but because Jaden Daniels is the guy, there's still going to be a, a lot of positive. They're going to score a ton. He's going to, there's gonna be a nice connection, but there's just a difference between the two and what that offense will look like. Ultimately, it doesn't matter how much you're going to win the next year. doesn't feel like receivers are the ones that stay surprisingly, right? Like it feels yeah. like quarterbacks. So the surprise stays maybe a running back or two surprise stay, but you know, receiver just doesn't feel like the position that, people shock you and you go, Oh shoot. Like why did he go to the NFL? He was going to be a first round pick. And, but I don't see that happening with neighbors. I think he goes and it's, it feels pretty spot on. Now receivers by nature are divas. And so if they, if they can feel the hype building for them and everything, they're going to take, they're going to take on that hype as quickly as they can. All right. One last guy here, Kay, this is the man that you begged me to have on here because pretty much immediately we have to take off one of our options here because this man literally cannot declare after this season um, because he is only a true sophomore. But you wanted to talk about RJ Maryland, tight end out of SMU. You seem to be very gung-ho about the possibility of him transferring somewhere. So, okay, I'm going to let you kind of talk me into this because I'll be real. You told me what it was. and I'm skeptical that this could happen, but let me hear it. I, I this want you is, to convince me. I mean, this is what we do at burning the red shirt. We find something that has a, like a little sliver of the door open and you just, you open it wide open and then it creates panic and chaos. I think RJ Maryland is RJ. He's short for Russell Maryland, the former uh, stud defensive lineman at Miami. 
Okay. He's a Hall of Famer at my at the Miami Hurricanes in the College Football Hall of Fame. It's a great place to go for tight ends. They don't really have they have a bunch of random guys. They have a bunch of random four-star type guys. I think it would make a ton of sense for him to go after some money at a school that his dad was super successful with that does have a, a pedigree in a you know a history of producing crazy good tight ends. RJ Maryland spends 2 years at SMU moves on to Miami and I think that would be I think that would be great for everybody. I think CFF that would make a lot of sense, although I don't know if it would be better than SMU. Um it'd be a new quarterback at SMU potentially Preston Stone we could have added here, right? Like technically yeah. he's eligible and he's also if he has a great season does he move on to transfer, right? That, yeah, I'd say that that would have been so, an excellent addition to this episode. So, so there's some options there. So I like it. I mean, what has what's providing some caution for you for Miami? Well, I don't think he has the size to play a tight end at the power five level. He's six four two seventeen. So he's a very, very small tight end. So I think if you if he moved up to the power five, he'd almost certainly have to move over to receiver, which is fine. Like he's a good receiver, don't get me wrong. Um the other part of it is actually this is a point in your favor. Um he took two official visits um during his recruitment, one of which was to Miami. But here's the other part of it. Miami under Mario Cristobal definitely hasn't been producing the Miami tight ends we've been seeing recently. They even got two studs in recruiting in Elijah Arroyo and Jaleel Skinner, and neither one of those guys has really panned out. And Jaleel Skinner is actually very similar to RJ Maryland in that he's also kind of a smaller tight end compared compared to what you would typically see at the Power 5, and they haven't really been able to do much with him. So I'd be a little skeptical. Now, again, I agree with you. There's definitely a lot of connections there. They can definitely build the hype around him with his dad being from Miami. Definitely makes a lot of sense there. But also what makes equal sense to me is if he does want to move back up to the Power 5 level, he was committed to Boston College for a while. And we've seen Boston College in this new coaching staff and previous ones love to utilize the tight end. Just look at George Tecas right now. So if Ryan O'Keefe moves on after next year and Boston College is in need of that kind of unique weapon that they've been utilizing lately, why not RJ Maryland? I think he, him going to Boston College would also make a ton of sense right there. The other thing is, okay, Miami was heavily involved in his recruitment. It's not like that Miami just completely passed him over and now they see him at SMU. I'm like, oh, wow, we screwed that one up. Yeah, let's get him over here. He chose SMU over Miami. So why would he, why would he go back there? It's the same thing for Boston College, but like, I'm on stay. I think he stays. I think he's perfectly fine where he is. And you're in transfer. I think he's perfectly fine where he is. He's going to stick around to SMU because he chose that place. He made a, he made a very conscious decision. When he had other options, he, he chose to go to SMU. Nothing else is really kind of pushing him away from SMU unless there's like a coaching change or something like that. What would you say to that? I think you're using a little bit too much logic and reason in your uh, discussion. Uh, when you when you concoct this type of uh, cocktail, Jared, you got to get a little weird. Uh, counterpoints to be, I don't see, I don't see any reason for him to go to Boston College or a similar type school. Like to me, it would be he stays at SMU or he goes to like a top tier program like a Miami. Good point about his size. Uh, 
Miami needs receivers. Like they need pretty much everything else. I feel like on offense. So Fair point. that doesn't exclude him from being a good fit, but it does change the the tight end narrative. And you're right. They haven't produced the best tight ends in recent years. Uh, they've had some, some, some bad decision-making with like quarterbacks, offensive play calling, stuff like that, mm-hmm. that I'm sure have played a part of, into it, but it would be, I, uh, I think it's possible. It's not very likely, but uh, sometimes you just got to get a little weird. I mean, it's, it, it's mid to late June, you know, we're going to get a little weird and create some, uh, some conversations for people on Twitter this week. Okay. You're going to, you're going to let me hear every bit of it when it actually does happen after the season. So like, you know, last year, our guy was Lou Nichols, yes. you know, at, that's who we were talking about needing to transfer. We were trying to like really put it in the in the atmosphere, and it didn't work out uh, for a lot of reasons. Didn't, weren't y'all trying to push Drake May as well? Uh, I don't know if we were. There's I mean, another big been, one. That might have been an Andrew thing, but it I it wasn't me. But we were talking Nichols to NC State was felt like a good fit for us. But mm-hmm. I don't remember if there was another one. There probably was at least five. I just don't I black it out. You know? I mean, he he ended up falling apart anyway. So exactly, yeah. So maybe it was for the best. Alrighty, that was fun. Uh, again, I appreciate kind of ending on that little note with RJ Maryland and everything. Because again, if he does want the money, Miami would be the perfect place for him to go. So like they, yeah. I, I, they definitely throw an NIL package at him for that. So if uh, you know, usually your shows are like two hours, so we have plenty of time here, Jared. Yeah, let's do it. What about I added this guy to the list? He's in the same mold of like a Maryland. So there's only two options, but EJ Warner. Feels like a guy that was under, like, underrated, under recruited, over, right? Goes to Temple. He has a crazy end of the season. A lot of us are high on him, just generally speaking, for CFF and where he's being taken. He's from the West Coast. I mean, his dad played for the Cardinals, so he's from Arizona. Like, w- wouldn't a, a move back home, like, towards the West Coast make uh, some sense? Or do you think he's just going to stay at Temple for four years or three? Um, I think we have to be a little careful in terms of like crowning him too early. Again, I think he's going to be great for this year. Don't get me wrong. Cause he plays at temple and they're, um, and they're like, they play in an absolute crappy conference. So there's gonna be plenty of defenses for him to feed on there. He's dual threat. You love everything about that. But his main competition was Dwan Mathis, who I love. He, he, he belongs in my heart, but Dwan Mathis is coming off a of brain surgery. And unfortunately, still had very much lingering effects from that. So there wasn't really much competition for him to take over over there. He's a small guy, six foot, 190 pounds. Again, quarterbacks, you'd want more in the 210, 220 range right there. And then, again, if he moved back west, where would he go? Arizona State, like, yeah, they don't have any great options this year. But, like, Jaden Rashad is their guy of the future. They've been pretty clear about that. Arizona, maybe, but as we discussed earlier, Jane Delore is going to be there for at least two years. So if he goes to Arizona, is he just going to sit behind Jane Delore for a year? And they got no Fafita, and they um, brought in another guy this year. I forget his name. That's also pretty decently highly recruited. So I'm trying to think of other West Coast places. Colorado? Colorado. Won't be I would say Colorado. I, I would say I'm sure, I'm sure Dion would be all over the name value there. So, but... I guess see Colorado. Colorado the, the, could be fun, but like, and if Sean Lewis is still there. That'd be great. The problem with Temple, or the 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 thing with the situation is, it's Temple. You know, it's it's a smaller football program. 
there's not going to be much going on to to keep him other than him maybe feeling loyal to the temple. You know, yeah. like there will be more reasons for him to leave if he's successful because there will be suitors because he is he does play a premium position. It is. Um, and you never know; people will move around. What if Delora goes pro, or you know, if he graduates and transfers, like then that feels like a great fit. But there's a lot of moving pieces, but. I thought he was an interesting name because I think he'll outproduce in 2023 what like a Temple quarterback typically does. And with NIL, I think anything is possible. Yeah, the thing is, I'm looking at his offer list, at least according to 247. And I know it's not always 100% accurate. I've, I've, I have had players tell me directly that 247 does not always get their offer list correct. So take this with a grain of salt, everybody. But like, there's no Power 5 offers here. There's some fun ones. Um, like you got... Ball State offered him, Hawaii offered him, Georgia Southern offered him. But like there's no power five offers there whatsoever. So maybe the entire recruiting industry and maybe everybody recruiting, um, like all those all of the top schools did miss on him. But I do think that everything's kind of pointed in the direction that like he is good for Temple right now. I don't know if he would be successful elsewhere right now. Um other things again. Again, we got time. Um, Preston Stone, what do you think? You, you brought him up earlier. I thought that we, we were talking about, like, hey, we should add it into the list. Well, we got time here. What do you think about him? I mean, it's very possible. He was a big recruit. Wasn't he, like, the biggest recruit that SMU's had, at, the, at least at the time? Yeah, he, uh, he is, he's the biggest one that they have ever landed themselves. They got some transfers. Like, obviously, uh, Kamar Wheaton was a five-star and everything. But, like, in terms of who they themselves landed, he is the biggest one of all time. It's I he seems like a guy that could leave it. You know, SMU does have money. You know, the the donor base and the alumni base is it's a that's a rich school, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a money school. I don't know how much they actually wanna will pay to keep a player of football caliber, right? Well, in the eighties they did a lot of spending. Um, <laughs> so I could see it happening. You know, what the problem is when you play at these places like SMU. The gimmicky or or not your traditional NFL style. I think there should be a thought in like the head of the player, like how does this make me look, and you know to translate into the NFL because I would imagine ninety nine percent of them have that desire to give that a try. I don't think it happens, but it it certainly could. There's definitely some things that move in the favor of transfer. So I'll I'll go goose here, man. I'll go goose here. Preston Stone has a pretty good year with SMU. Kind of like you said, that gimmicky passing offense and everything. He got offered by USC back in 2019. You know, what if he messes everything up with the Malachi Nelson thing? And he, he like, it's not, it's not a Miller Moss that messes everything up. It's Preston Stone coming in next year. Now that's, possible for sure right like he's, he's gonna I mean, there's a very real world where he has a big big year right uh i was it's funny i was not gonna say it out loud but i'll do it now i was gonna jokingly say ej warner to usc but i think people's heads would, would explode if if lincoln riley took that but anyways but yeah stone to usc could happen i mean lincoln's shown he's taken transfer quarterbacks like yeah. aren't all of his more recent I, what was his last non-transfer quarterback? Well, Caleb Williams technically he recruited to Oklahoma, and then he fo- then then Caleb followed but, him to 
USC. So I, I, I would count that as him building him up himself. That's fair. So before Caleb, it was like, uh, you know, Hertz was one of them, right? Uh, yeah, he's a transfer. Baker Mayfield. Yep. All these Kyler Murray, a bunch of Murray. So it's and in then, his blood. I would say Spen- and then Spencer Rattler just completely felt that that all fell on its face. But also there was there's a lot of things going on in that relationship. So like, who mm-hmm. knows? But uh, any other names that kind of pop into your head right now, okay? Because again, we got time. Let me see if I can run down the our ADP sheet real quick. See if anybody sticks out to me. Um, I'll be curious to see the Oklahoma running back room. Like, like what happens? That would be uh, that one will be pretty interesting. Because I mean, like Barnes is there, Sawchuck is there, and I think you know, I I don't know how much do people want to share the carry like share the carries in a situation like that. Well, Leppy's been known to kind of have running back by committee. So like people know that. So like when guys like Barnes and Sawchuck sign up for it, they probably go in thinking like, hey, I'm going to get enough carries to get noticed by the NFL, but not too many to where they're going. And I'm going to have at least one big year while I'm there, but I'm not going to get too many to where I lose tread off those tires. It's kind of the same approach that Georgia takes. Like Georgia, when guys go to Georgia, a lot of people are like, oh my God, it's such a stacked running back room. Why would you go there? Because there kind of is that kind of unspoken promise of like, yeah, you're going to be behind dudes for two years. But that third year or fourth year, in Kendall Milton's case, because he kept getting injured, like when you finally get your turn, you're going to get noticed by the NFL. You're going to get drafted by the NFL. So it's probably the same thing going on in Oklahoma. These guys know what they're getting into when they get over there. But uh, Marcus Major, I don't know what he's still doing there. That 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 one's still he's kinda... there. I mean, he's the steel has the RB. He calls him the RB one. Steel does. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, which could. I mean, I think he's done after this year, regardless. So it just would annoy the running backs, but it wouldn't necessarily impact twenty twenty four. Let's we'll reverse see. it. Let's reverse it real quick. What do you think Michigan does at quarterback after JJ wins the Heisman and goes pro? Dude, I don't even know who Michigan has behind him because, like, Alan Bowman. Their backups transfer- are like. Went to Oklahoma State, right? So, like, yeah. So, Alex Orgy is a backup. Um, and then they got a five star, uh, Jane Davis. Oh, yeah. He will be a true freshman. So, I don't know how much I can see how much Harbaugh wants to do that. I can see them going a one year rental at QB. There's another guy named Davis Warren that's in like the technical mix, but I don't know if any of those guys are all that appealing. You know, if, JJ leaves if he has a great season and Michigan goes into the playoff, which is, I mean, all things considered, is fairly likely of the things that we can predict. So, is he going to want to, you know, do we do you go with a guy like Orgy after a guy you you know a three star that nobody's really ever heard of? McCarthy one hundred percent declares after the season. I would I would agree with you there. Um, again, I think they either go with one of their older guys for the year. I think it's a replay of the Caden McNamara JJ McCarthy deal where like. You start with McNamara, Jaden Davis comes in, or a McNamara-like quarterback, excuse me. Mm-hmm. He plays the whole year. There's the whole, like, oh, why aren't we starting the true freshman who probably gives us a way higher ceiling? To to be fair, that's probably true. And then you see Jaden Davis get a little bit of action, and then Jaden Daniels, or Jaden Daniels, Jaden Davis starts his sophomore year or takes over very early on in sophomore year, and then whoever that insert at quarterback for the year was transfers out or just goes to the NFL or something like that. I think, I think it's going to be, be pretty much a complete repeat there. 
Yeah, I think that's very possible. It's going to be really interesting because if I don't know if Michigan fans are going to, I mean, Harbaugh's bought himself plenty of time, obviously, after yeah. the last two years, but like fans get really weird really quick. And I think Michigan could be in trouble because they'll lose the same reasons why Michigan is in such a good spot for this year will be the same reasons why they might be in a tough spot for next year, which is Corum will be gone. Edwards will be gone. Yep. And then JJ probably is gone or could be gone. So then it's like, who do you replace him with? You don't replace that 2024 schedule is brutal. Mm-hmm. Could they win seven games? And how do people react to, to that? So it'd be interesting. We'll be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll find out again. So much will change between now and next year and everything. They could go out there and Braylon Allen's entered the transfer portal after this year. And then they land Braylon Allen and they're never worried about running back again after that point. And then, or you know, like maybe, maybe they go out and land like, I don't know, some, something crazy. Like they just get one of the top quarterback prospects out of there. And now Michigan's suddenly going to open it up with a brand new quarterback. So too much, too much could change between now and then. For now, I think that is plenty of it right there, Kay. Appreciate you coming on, man. This was an awesome time. I always love you coming on because you are one of the people not afraid to call me out on my BS and let me know (laughs) when you think I am either not, I I am being too soft on what I am saying or you just think I'm dead wrong. So I appreciate that, man. I I appreciate our interactions and everything. Um, I really wish, uh, I, I wish we could almost like sell access to the CFF Slack for campus to camp because like because like <laughs> oh i don't I, know about I, that one that feels dangerous that you're not you're like. not wrong but again like i i love our inter- interactions in there man dude it is awesome having you on the team can you let people know kind of what's going on with you guys over at burning the red shirt i know you guys are doing your conference previews right now those have been awesome so far can you kind of give a hint at some of yeah. the guests you're bringing on stuff like that so uh the twitter account is btr underscore pod We've been doing conference previews one a week with different random guests. We've had um, Mox has been on. We've had uh, Joe from the CFF site, Franchise. Kyle uh, Francis. Yeah, if you know him. And then we had one more. Oh, uh, Brandon, the Brandon the champ, the Michigan State fan. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll have a little – I don't want to say the name, but we have a little bit of a wife swap situation going on with this week with uh you know campus to canton and btr so you'll see i think we're recording tuesday night so probably out wednesday um but yeah we still have you know six conferences left and we'll have some fun well i think we're gonna have froton on at some point which is always like must see tv oh hell yeah just different cff cfb touts that uh Wanted to hop on, Jared. You're coming on for SEC, aren't you? Yes, sir. I am. I was. I. I, I, didn't, go. I, I was going to let you be the one to to say that or not because I'm yeah, like. I'm like. That's not like, the wife I? swap, but yeah, no, it is not. Uh, we are having you on for SEC, which will be fun. I don't yeah. know when that'll be. I think it's obviously later this summer. But I would say I think it's later July. So cool. Yeah. So we're having fun with it. It's made me realize, like, man, we should have had guests on way sooner. You know, like Dude, just guests are awesome. Different people's perspective is fun. It keeps it interesting and. I think we all talk to each other so much that there's like a level of like chemistry that is pretty fun to, yeah, to watch. So we're doing it. We should, it should be pretty fun. It's some of our best episodes too, in terms of like downloads and listens and stuff. So. Yeah, you guys are doing a fantastic job over there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm currently trying to catch up with them because, again, for those of you who don't know, I started my first job this last week and everything, so I haven't had as much time to listen to podcasts. I will eventually because, again, right now it's me having to watch like training videos right now, so literally I can't listen to a podcast while I'm doing that. But like, you know, when I'm doing my actual work, I can get back to it. But 
Uh, I just listened to y'all's show with uh, Mox and the Sun Belt yesterday. That was a ton of fun. You guys did a great job. I'm about 10 minutes into the episode with Katz and Kyle Francis. Let me tell you, that is that is funny because, again, Andrew's like, yeah, I'm not doing all this host BS. I'm just We're just going to get straight into talking. And I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. Um, y'all do an awesome job over there. So, again, if y'all haven't already, go check out their pod, Burning the Red Shirt. They do an incredible job. I will get back into all of the Campus of Canton stuff, um, but I will remind you guys over there to, one, go check out the CFF guide. It'll be out July 1st. Uh, Kay and I, as well as everybody here at the Campus of Canton CFF team, have been working tirelessly to put that together. It is awesome. You guys are going to love it. And then in addition, I am doing my live CFF mock draft live streams every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, having a different guest on every week to just kind of kick back answer questions have a draft in the background it is awesome if you're listening to this on monday we just did one with matt bruning from campus of canton we did one with mike bainbridge two weeks ago so go check that out only on the campus of canton, or on the chasing the natty youtube channel and then we got a lot of fun guests coming up for you guys for those in the next couple of weeks so be on the lookout for those with all that being said okay appreciate you coming on appreciate all of you guys listening out there hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed week see ya